Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Level Up Cleveland. And this week, we have Matt Sorg of Ringworm with us here in the studio. How's it going? What's up, man? How you doing? Good. How are you? Thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Um, now, Ringworm, you know, a lot of times the station, or this station, you know, a lot of times this podcast, what we specialize in is the local band. But I wouldn't necessarily call you a local band. I call you a band from Cleveland. You guys have pretty much toured the world. Yeah. And seen everything. You're one of the bands that have seen a lot of success from the city after after you formed here. Then you went on to do bigger and better things. We've gotten out there. Yeah. yeah. And pretty and some pretty impressive stuff. Now, is this, you guys have just now released a new album. Yes. And we're going to get in touch about, we're going to talk about that. Uh-huh. Talk about some of the other stuff you do. But I do want to introduce the other guys real quick. Yeah. That, are, that aren't here because you're representing everybody. And, um. We'll start off with James, the Human Furnace. He's yep. the lead vocalist of the band. Yes, James Bullock. James Bullock, yes. And you are the guitar player. Yep. Ed Stevens. Ed Stevens on bass. On bass, he was already on our show. We had Ed Stevens. Just just Ed was here for you know represent Ed and all the things he was involved uh-huh. in. Yeah, I watched it. Old friend of ours. And now on the on the album. Ryan Steigerwald plays the drums on the album. Yeah. But now Ryan's moved on. He's in Midnight. Yes. And you guys have replaced him. He's the him. Iron Possessor. <laughs> Possessor. And you guys have replaced him. Who who did you replace him with? Well, uh, we got to, uh, Ed found him. Ed found this 22-year-old kid named Grady. I, I'm probably going to mispronounce his last name or maybe even say it completely wrong. I should have research. I should have done my research. <laughs> West Westlock. West. I, I probably just Grady Westlock. Something like is it's, it's something, something like, like something that. Like that. that. <laughs> I just call him Grady, so I don't know. But uh, yeah, he he's a kid that Ed knew from like Smedley's jams and stuff. Oh. He was a blues. He's a blues drummer. He, he jams with like Butch Armstrong and stuff. I guess you know. Oh, and, really? Yeah, which is crazy. A 22 year old kid with uh, the old. Yeah, guys, they, you know, they take them in, really. That's like, and, and that's one of the things Ed noticed. He's like, these guys are accepting him in. Right. You know, he must be doing... And and Ed jammed with him there on the jam nights. And and he had no... He never thought of him as a guy to do ringworm because he didn't make that... He didn't know that Grady could do that. You know, like, yeah, if right. you do it, being great at the blues is not going to make you the right guy for ringworm. You know, but uh, when we played at... Before with it started, we were talking about a show at class that, where Ringworm played, and it was super packed. Like a year ago. Yeah. Uh, the last, it was like the changeover from now that's class to no class. And uh, he was, Grady, Ed noticed that Grady, this kid that he only knew from Smedley's Blues Jams and stuff like that, was in right up front wearing a death metal shirt of some sort or whatever, and he was, and he was staring at. Ryan playing the drums and he was air drumming along and stuff and and it clicked with Eddie because we already knew Ryan was on his way out. Oh, at it that already point. been known. You know, okay. Yeah, and uh, so um, Ed asked him after the you know that night after after our performance you know he asked Grady, "Do you like this kind of stuff?" And he's like, "Yeah, he's I'm, I'm all he's like before I was in anything I was in Metal Kid you know oh I mean it's, he's only twenty two so I don't know how." Yeah, how, like how, how before, yeah, yeah. how much how before, before is there? <laughs> yeah, but um, it, so he, Ed's like, what do you think? And I'm like, have him, uh, I told him, I, I named a couple of the more demanding songs, you know, and I'm like, have him film himself, you know, with his phone or whatever and send it to me and we'll see what, what he, and he did. He, he got on it by the weekend. He 
he did it. You could tell he worked on it throughout the week, got on it, sent me these videos, and I was like, whoa, this might work. And he, I, I, so I wanted to jam with him. I asked him for his address, having no clue where he lived or anything. I put it in my phone, and he lived 1.4 miles from my uh. house. <laughs> so it was like two turns, and I'm at his house in like four minutes or something. And and uh, and he nailed it. You know, we were we he, we took him on tour shortly after. We went out with uh, I Hate God, and that was his first run with this, and he killed it. And really, he just keeps getting better and better. You know, really, he's got the desire of the heart for it. He does. It, it takes a certain kind of person to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, you guys, I, you guys are made of something a little different. It's crazy <laughs> to be a 22 year old kid that you know really just jammed around town, playing the blues, and and then you just get to skip all the bullshit that got us to where to where he not that we're metallica or something no, but, but but compared to what he was doing kind of you know and uh he got to just kind of jump right up to touring with bands like i hate god and venom inc and stuff like that you know yeah, what I mean? you know yeah, 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 right yeah. off the bat you know yeah i mean that's the isn't, isn't that like when jason newstead did the, did the whole thing, isn't that the talk that was about, like, oh, this guy just walks right into the situation? Yeah, even he had done some touring with Flatsome right, and Jetsome yeah, prior. Yeah, right, right, you know, right, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And made a record on Metal Blade and everything. Yeah, you know, a good a, one, a really yeah, good a great, record. A great <laughs> yeah. debut record, yeah, really where, good. where he really was the driving force behind that yeah, band, too. You know? He wrote so, all that stuff. Yeah, you then. can hear it, you know. Um, so, Ringworm's new album, Seeing Through Fire. If I counted right, it's the ninth album? It is ninth studio album. There's a live album too. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, that's a lot. Of, that's that's a lot. I mean, plus there's a shit ton of seven inch EPs and splits and ten inch EPs and all that shit too. But yeah, ninth full length of the studio album. Now, as far as the writing process goes in this band, who's the main writer of the band? Uh, I wrote. I mean, I write all the music pretty much. There's been a couple songs here and there throughout the records where other guys contributed, but mostly I write everything and James. Writes all the all words. The words. He, and, he, and he also is usually the guy that, in there's only like two albums in the whole catalog, I think, that he didn't come up with the album cover and everything, too. Oh, so he's, he's, he's he heavily does, involved in everything. Yeah, he, he's got a big hand in all more than just the lyrics and all that, you know, he's... Now, is James the original singer from, from every album all the way yeah, through? So yeah, he's James, the one guy that's been in every he album. He is the... Sole original member, yes. So and then and then you joined and then right would before be, the second album, and then Ed was the the third guy in the band that's current right as now. As far as uh, like, like now, as far as yeah, right now Ed Ed is the third third one. He's been in the band I think since 2012. Does that ever have any like input as far as writing and stuff like that? Does he usually bring anything to the table? Is uh, he that guy or he doesn't? I don't think he wants to. I've kind of tried to get him to do some. I'm like, hey, come up with some stuff, and he. I think he just. His thing is he he'll come up with the greatest baseline to whatever I give him, you know. Right, yeah, like yeah, he yeah, creates yeah. in that way, you know. Like he doesn't just play the root note and play the riff the way I'm playing it. He almost never. He's always doing his own thing. So that's what he wants. He wants like he needs a, a structured song thrown at him, and he'll he'll do the best thing possible with that. Well, know? yeah. I mean, like, isn't that the one thing about you guys too? Is like, I, I would describe you as like some kind of, I don't know the exact sub. I'm not good with the sub genres and all that stuff, but I call it like an extreme metal. It's like, it's like a very aggressive, very done by world-class musicians. Like you guys are like, this is like a band of extremely good musicians, 
doing this Ed, kind of music. Especially for, so well, amazing. yeah, but you are too. I mean, like, like you're a great guitar player and you Thank have you. a great drummer. I don't, I haven't, of course, the new guy, I don't he know. Is, he, he's, yeah, I but mean, I, we didn't I'm lose assuming. A step in the drum. And I, and I gotta say, Ryan Steigerwald fucking killed it on the new record. And on, oh. uh, he's been on, he's been on the last three records now and he did a great job on all of them. I think he got better each one, but he really came in like, murdered the fucking drums on that new record that's his performance elevated the whole record you know and i but i think uh we haven't started working with grady on new material yet yeah right i i I have thrown him a bunch of phone demos that i made of songs but i haven't gotten in a room with him and seen what he's got to do with it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. we haven't gotten there yet that'll happen pretty shortly probably after this upcoming tour we have but um I feel confident, you know, because he's done so good on just playing the old stuff live, and uh, he's really good drummer. So I, I think he's gonna, I think he's gonna do just as good, you know. You know, like the stuff you're writing, man. It's 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 it takes a, I, it's a it's a kind of a unique. It's a it's unique in a way. I mean, it's not it's not done like rock and roll has a very distinctive. You could hear a lot of distinctive things where the music that Ringworm does has such a collective. There's so many things going on inside there with his voice, especially going over top of everything. Yeah. Cause he has some kind of like steel made something or something. I don't know what he's like doing there. Blade. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. The fact that he can scream like everybody, you know, there's a ton of growl going on out there. Everybody's got the growl. James thing. is unique. And, yes. And I think the most pissed off voice I've ever yeah. fucking heard yeah. anywhere. It's, it's, cr- it's incredible, actually. Yeah. It is. And, and, and it's it, consistent. He still can do it. You know, a lot of guys were that thirty years ago, that, and they aren't that now. And he's he's he sounds more pissed. I don't think anyone else could do it for thirty minutes. Now, <laughs> now, now here's the thing. Here's the thing, though. Like you have figured out how to take that. What he has to have this music that you write. I, I try to give him a platform to. Yes. I try to be, make that music every bit as fucking pissed as he's gonna. Exactly. It has to be, you know. Yes, it, but that, it that's what it is. That, it is. You know? It is. It is like you have figured Plus, out. That's what, I mean, that's what I like to do anyway. No, no, no. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, right, you know, right. But, it is. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, like, yeah. But you've realized that this guy's got such a unique voice, and the music melds so perfectly with his voice. I mean, I, I can't imagine anything else. Underneath what he's doing, and I can't imagine anyone else doing what he does. I don't. I can't believe it. No, he's you know, awesome yeah. stuff, man. Really cool. Where do you get it? Like, so what? How does it? So how do you get an idea for a song? Like, where? Like, how? How does it happen for a song like that? Where does it come? Is it just? <laughs> like, I mean, like seriously, when do you? How do, I I eat edibles. <laughs> I, I get super high. I get baked as fuck, and I and then I and then I just kind of when I'm when I know I'm gonna be when I know that. My girl Joey's gonna leave the house and go hang out with friends, or or whatever. If she, you know, she goes and does her thing. If I know I'm gonna be alone, just with my dogs, you know, <laughs> in the house and have no interruptions, and I'll, I'll just, I'll go big, eat a whole bunch of shit, and fucking just play guitar. And and as soon as soon as something I like comes out, which doesn't take too long, especially if I'm super high like that. <laughs> soon as something, I, soon as something I like comes out, I I got the phone like in front of my practice amp and i i, I get that oh. I, I get that first riff and then i just 
I work off of that one, and I and I just keep going until I have a song, and it usually takes a couple hours, usually. And so you do like a, a real quick demo of the song, so that I you do. can I, I double it and everything, so there's harmonies, and so it's it's fleshed out by the time I'm. Oh, so when you show it to the no band, no drums or anything, you know. I mean, I, it's just guitar, but yeah. I, but I, it's you, it's I do both sides, so two rhythm tracks, and uh, sometimes I even throw a quick little lead on there just so. James doesn't put words there in the spot where I want to play the solo, you know. You're kind of mapping it out. Yeah, yeah I, that's I, the I way. map it out right away. It doesn't take takes me a few hours and I and then I send it to the guys, you know. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. And then you let everybody do their thing. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you have I, mean, I, I love input. Not not with with Ed. I don't I don't have to ever say anything, right. you know. Sometimes he comes to me and says I got this idea and this idea. Which one do you like? And I'll choose one, but I never have to give him much you know I, I i um show him what i'm doing i'll put the iphone down on the table and like film my fingers so he doesn't have to try to pick the notes out by ear he can i got you see yeah. what i'm doing yeah a little more visual and then he goes from there now yeah. now but, it seems but with the drums i was gonna just say now the drums, the drums though, it's a little different because you have the song in your head yeah and and the drummer can hear a riff told- a, a riff that i think has a blast beat a drummer can hear it play it slow it, you know it can be and some but sometimes so when we get in the room it's not i don't know what's going to happen with the drums until we get in the room because they have no guide i don't a lot of guys will put like a drum machine to yeah, it or just something to put a tempo so that they understand what they're thinking but i don't i'm too lazy to i don't know how to use a drum machine or anything so after I, the third gummy you're like fuck i just play guitar i don't <laughs> fuck with that shit so and and it, and it kind of works better that way because sometimes i actually like the thing that the drummer did that's completely different than what I thought. Sure, you know? sure, sure, it, sure, sure. And sometimes I hate it, and I'm like, no way, dude. It's got to be like this. And, yeah. and I'll, I'll do it on my chest because I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know how to talk music, you know, or anything. Drum really. music, yeah, yeah, right. And this is how I I would teach a guy a song, you know. Yeah. No, you got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, or whatever, you know? <laughs> but but so the key is is that the kid's gonna be able to have to like. Take some criticism, but that's that's the thing about bands, right? Like that's that that like you're in a band, you got a guy who writes most of the material. Bottom line is, is that he's gonna have some opinions about certain things, and to be a good band member, you got to be willing to sometimes have your idea shot down and that kind of thing happen. Yeah, and and it takes a little bit of you know, it's hard sometimes, you know, especially but, when you're the new guy. Yeah, most of the time they're they're just like you know, because there's been so many drummers throughout the years, not just with Ringworm, but with the other bands too and shit, but. Most of the guys that I've jammed with have, are just like, okay, you know, and play it that way. But once in a while, their their heart is in that that other tempo, and they're like, let's do half and split it up or whatever, and I'll, I'll compromise with them, or sometimes I won't. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. You know, I, I was thinking about this as I was looking you guys up. I was looking at the dates of the albums as they were being released. You guys have a long, long career, right? A long. This has been going on for a long time. I, I joined the band in 2001, 22 yeah, right. years ago. Yeah. Right. Right? Is that yeah? Right? That's, Is that that's math right? Yeah, but the first one's in the nineties, right? Ninety. First uh, one's ninety three. Yeah, right. And the demo, I think, was ninety one. So, so here's here's my. I heard that. I heard the demo when it was new because I was in Blood of Christ and uh, with Tom Rojack and and uh, who was who was in Civil Disobedience prior with Ed, you know. But so there's a lot of history going way back, you know. But but James was doing the artwork for Blood of Christ way back in those days in nineteen ninety one oh. and stuff. So there was always kind of like. I heard the demo. Tom played me the demo when it was brand new and stuff. So it, we were all kind of already part of the same. I got you. Scene, you the, know. The, the, we call it factions. There's yeah, like musicians yeah. that hang the out. The scene is so 
incestuous anyway. You know, yeah. everybody's played in everybody else's band. It's true, know? especially the metal. Yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Um, all right, so I, what I want to do is I want to kind of go back to to your start. I want to see like how you how you get involved in guitar first, you know, and your whole music. What's your first love of music like? Where does it start? Um, you know, my parents were seventeen when I was born. I was born in seventy one. They were seventeen, and so you know, like most seventeen year old kids in nineteen seventy one, they loved Zeppelin and Sabbath and Deep Purple and. Thin Lizzy, I mean, a few years later, Thin Lizzy, and by the time I was able to understand anything, they were into Aerosmith and Thin Lizzy, all that kind of stuff, you know, big Alice Cooper fans, big Alice Cooper fans, and uh, my dad told me later, not just a few years ago, my dad told me that, uh, you know, the day I was born, he left my mom in the hospital, you know, or whatever, after he came and saw me, and then he went to a party at his buddy's house, you know, because he's a seventeen-year-old kid, you know. And, and, uh, and he he said that that night he that that buddy that who whoever that was p- played "Love It to Death," which was a brand yeah, brand new album, May, May of seventy-one. I think it might have come out in March or something, you know. So I could be wrong on that, but but it was new, a very new. It's got album. the Ballad of Dwight Fry on it's, it. Yeah, yeah. Eighteen was the hit, obviously, yeah. but yeah, Ballad of Dwight Fry and Second Coming, all that. It's I. It's become. It's been my second. My it's yeah. been my favorite records for great my whole album. life. It really is. I, but my dad heard that record on my actual birthday, you know, in 1971, the first time, and that became his favorite band. And so I was raised with Alice. They took me to see Alice Cooper in '75. It was like a month before I turned four. <laughs> you know, they took, the, uh, Susie Quattro opened up at the Coliseum on wow. the Welcome to My oh, Nightmare Susie. Tour. Quattro. Yeah. Wow, dude. So, I mean, so, so you I, were destined for music. I had a fucking yeah, early right. start. <laughs> early. Going to Alice Cooper and Susie Quattro at three years old. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was, I'm not quite four yet. You know? Yeah. And you weren't going to be playing like Michael Jackson. You know, like <laughs> no. that wasn't, you weren't destined no, for anything it, like it, that. Yeah, no. and you were, so, so it, that was 75. I saw Alice Cooper and um, I remember it a little, you know, snapshots. I, I, I remember that like, um, I don't remember much of Susie, even though I had a cat named Susie at the time. I, I liked Susie, yeah, you know, right. you know, but, but I but I don't remember that. I kind of lost that whole set, you know. But uh, I remember Alice was coming out, and um, that tour he had a big sheet covering the stage in the beginning, and they projected a, like a, a graveyard scene where uh, he's dancing on there with skeletons or something in the beginning, you know, and. Um, I remember looking at my mom and dad and going, I thought he was here. This is a movie. <laughs> yeah, I was like bummed. I was super bummed. And then, but then, you know, he comes through the sheet and, you know, like, and it, the sheet drops and I'm like, oh, okay. All right. So yeah. for at first I was mad. I'm like, this is a movie. <laughs> yeah. What'd you got? You lied to me. You guys yeah, lied yeah, to me, man. Yeah. yeah. But uh, then, um, you know, a year later, 76, I got Kiss Destroyer. Because it looked, I mean, already being an Alice Cooper fan, you look at that album cover and it's just like, I liked comic books and I liked Alice Cooper and that looked like both at the yeah, same time. That had that, that they're all, it was a yeah. cartoon. It was basically a cartoon and it, Kiss, basically. Yeah, yeah. so Kiss just kind of like, that was my only, from the minute I heard Kiss until I was about 12, that was, it was just, my whole record collection was just Kiss records. Yeah, you know? so you started <laughs> off with the Kiss, the, yeah, the, the Kiss yeah. craze, man. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah. So I think that was pretty much us and everybody. A lot of people, really. Yeah. I mean, um. So yeah. So then, so then you you go through Kiss, the Kiss thing. Now, 
were you an Ace Freely guy? Was that? Oh was, yeah. So is that yeah. how how that starts? I loved Ace and Gene the best. Yeah, you know? right, right. You know, Gene's obvious choice for breathing fire and spitting. Yeah, fire. I mean, he was the yeah, he was yeah. the show. He was yeah, the whole yeah. show, and then the, everyone but else always, was the band. But you know, I remember looking at the records and like seeing Parasite, Ace Freely, Strange Ways, Ace Freely, and seeing and I was that just made me like Ace that Freely, song. And those know, those are your yeah. favorite oh, tunes. Those are good tunes. Yeah, same yeah. with yeah. me too. I mean, yeah. like that's that. I think a lot. Yeah, sure, for sure. Ace yeah. was Ace was the thing. So. Does Ace get you into guitar? Would you yeah, say? Uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't even know what lead guitar was until Paul Stanley said it on the live. You know, Ace Freely lead, lead guitar. guitar. Yeah, Shock you know, me. That's what I'm like, because he just played that solo on the record, and then Paul says that, and I'm like, oh, that's what that means, lead guitar. You know, <laughs> you know so, so Ace is like the the yeah. model of lead guitar player to me, you know, always was yeah. and is still, you know. You're, you're, you've seen Ace? If you go, you go oh, see him when he comes I've every time, him, pretty much. I've seen him. 30 times, I bet, you know, 10, oh, time, yeah. 10 times with Kiss and probably more than 20 times solo. No you know? kidding. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So you, when did you get your first guitar? I, it was, um, Christmas of 85. Um, so I was 14 and, uh, my dad asked me what I wanted for Christmas. And then before I could even say, I probably was going to say some, you know, Atari 2600 cartridges or something <laughs> like that. You know? or, or definitely I loved getting like, Quonset hut of uh, gift certificates and stuff so i could go in and buy a stack of records at christmas time too you know so i i was gonna say something like that probably you know and and he stopped me before i could say anything and said before you say a toy or this or that or whatever a video game or you know whatever he's like i want you're at the age he told me you know you should get something you're gonna use into your adulthood you know i mean you know not we're, we're past that video game stage or yeah. whatever and everybody toys and video games told yeah. me, you know and i was like the first thing i thought of is the we're not going to take it video where the kid's like i want to rock <laughs> dad flies out the window or whatever but I, so i was just like i want a guitar then i'll take a I'll, that's what i want i want an electric guitar and he was like he always remembers his beer but he thinks he was like like, like he thought about that answer. He's like, okay, all right. And he, he bought one off his buddy. It was an Electra, a Japanese Les Paul, like, copy, oh, you know. so your first guitar looked like a Les Paul? Yeah, it was yeah, a Les Paul, that's yeah. cool, man. And that was not by my choice. That's just what I ended up with, and I was okay with that. Yeah, because you know? Ace played Les Paul. Exactly, so that was yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, so that was that's how I got my first guitar. And I, so that was Christmas of 85, and I got the guitar because of, you know, Kiss and, Twisted Sister and Rat and Dokken and yeah. all those bands of the of the t Dio and Ozzy and Maiden and Priest, all that kind of stuff is the stuff I was interested in. But then in March, I think, of eighty six, Master of Puppets Master came out. Of and that was that record was like that was it. Like, okay, this all doesn't matter anymore. I, of course I came back to all that yeah. stuff but but from that point on my music the the direction of this guitar that I just got took a whole new route, you know. Yeah, like right. Everything was. It's all guitar music. I mean, yeah, I, you know, when the, yeah. especially back then, this was such guitar music that you could you could go crazy with. Yeah. It. So I didn't even, you know, I'd only had the guitar for a few months. I couldn't even play the rat stuff or the kiss stuff I was trying to play yet. You know, <laughs> I couldn't even hardly tune the fucking thing yet. You know, but I was. Now I was trying to play like James Hetfield, and of course you can't do that when you've only had a guitar for a few months. But within a year or so, I was like, yeah, the pick your right hand was getting better and everything. Yeah, yeah. So, so what? 
Metallica was the first band as far as like the metal, the the, the thrash and all that kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Started with I went, I went from all those bands I talked about before, you know, Priest and and all that stuff, which I I still love all those bands to this day, and I never stopped liking them then, but I just kind of had more focused on Metallica and then Slayer and Merciful Fate and bands I discovered after hearing Master of Puppets. Yeah, same you know? thing. The same exact thing happened to me. Master of Puppets was the album that got yeah. me into it, and then and then what was cool is that. There was still Ride the Lightning and, and there was still Kill 'Em All and it was like it was like you got three albums all at once. Yeah, because I didn't know those records. Yeah, I, I only knew the like I knew of that stuff because I got hit paraders and shit and the ads for Megaforce and the ads for Combat would be in there. Yeah, right. And you'd, you'd see, see them. Venom and Possessed and all this. Yeah, stuff. and I would just think, damn, that shit. That must sound crazy. <laughs> that stuff. But I only had like. I made like five bucks a week mowing the lawn. I, I could only buy a record at a time, you know. Right. You couldn't even get a record for five bucks. You no. know? I had to wait till next week. Yeah, every so two weeks. So I ten bucks and I could go buy a record. And then, you know, so I was, you know, I had to get Van Halen records and shit. I, I'm not going to try this weird record I saw at an ad and don't know yeah, anything right. about. Yeah, right. You stuck to what you knew. Yeah, because I, you know, yeah, I only got ten fucking bucks, you know, you know, until Christmas when I get my Quasa <laughs> gift certificate or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so uh you know, my mom was cool, and she would let me throw something in the cart or whatever if we were at Kmart or something, you know, but or Fisher's Big Wheel is the one by us. And they actually, in the 80s, those kind of stores did stock Merciful Fate records and stuff like yeah, that because metal was so popular. It you was. Know? It was It was big in the 80s. Yeah, you, yeah so so uh, I would get an additional record here that I didn't have to save up for every now and then, but mostly I had to be real choosy, you know. Ain't that something else, though, when you think about them times versus today where, where you, you had to go a, on the internet you, you had to own, you, want. Yeah. you had to own your own music. Yeah, yeah. And now it's like, it's you have access to everything, right? It's just it's it seems almost crazy because didn't you didn't you almost feel like you were identified by your kind of like your music collection? Yeah, like like what totally. you own when you'd go to a buddy's house or you just meet somebody new and you'd go to their house for the first time and you'd see all their albums, you could kind of identify that dude by that, right? Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. oh, you're that guy. Uh, um, all right. So I'll tell you what, we're gonna take a quick break. Okay. And when we come back, I want we're gonna continue this story because we're gonna find out all about Matt's. I want to hear everything that happened up until now. Okay. Pretty much. Yeah. And we're gonna talk about this album a little bit more and some of the other bands you're in too. Cool. When we come back, a couple minutes, we got with Matt Sorg. You're listening to Level Up Cleveland. What's up, everybody? This is Don Foose from One Life All In, The Spud Monsters, Run Devil Run, Lifeline, and my solo band, Foose. I'm coming at you live to let you know I have a new book out called Motivate Me. It's a memoir of inspirational quotes, stories, and life lessons. This book takes you through my life and shows how I've handled adversity firsthand by the inspiration of others. If you lack enthusiasm but want to make goals in life and get after them, then this book is for you. To order, go to my website at foosforlife.com, F-O-O-S-E-F-O-R-L-I-F-E.com, foosforlife.com. I'd like to send a big shout out to Big Bry and Pat the Producer at Level Up Cleveland for making a platform for hometown musicians and artists like myself to promote our bands and projects. This is Don Foos signing off for the Level Up Cleveland podcast. Peace out.
And we are back, everybody, with Matt Sorg from Ringworm. And uh, we were just kind of getting into your your the beginning of your guitar career. We were just going through, we just got through the Kiss phase and you, the Ace phase. We got into Master of Puppets. <laughs> yeah. And now you're a thrasher. Yes, at that point. Still 15. Or still 14. 1985. 14. Yeah, still 14. And then... Uh, yeah, Master of Puppets comes out when I'm right two months before my fifteenth birthday, and that's that's it. You know, it's all from that point on. It's discovering bands like Merciful Fate and Slayer was quick. You know, every, yeah, right. Z Rock was coming on not too long after that time, and they played so much. You hear Dark Angel and stuff on there. Yeah, you know, right. You know, so that that helped a lot, but. Uh, and the yeah. whole big four thing. I mean, like, if you want to go there, you uh, know, and that, Exodus. That's where everybody started. Yeah. It, it, you know, I, I remember MTV did a little, maybe like a quick five five to ten minute little segment where it was about, they weren't called the big four yet. Not yet, right. But those were the bands that they, those were the first bands everybody heard of, yeah. you know. And, and, and Exodus. I was, I was, uh, Exodus, I, yeah, you yeah. Get, I mean, I don't, Exodus, you can't ever forget. Yeah. They were right there with, with them when they all yeah, came out yeah. together. Yeah, and then... uh and Bonnet by Blood Rules. It is. It's know, one of the best I, albums ever. Can't fuck with that one. Yeah, and then uh, the rest of it I don't really care for too much. <laughs> oh, with Blood. Seuss, you, you yeah, like you I, like I, it? I, I like that first record you know. with Bailoff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I discovered all the German bands: Creator, Sodom, Destruction, Tankard, and and Voivod was a big, big one from Canada. Me, you know? Yeah, Voivod, Voivod yeah. and you know, just that started finding all those. Just that became my obsession, you know, was finding all those bands and 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 playing, trying to play along to James Hetfield. <laughs> you know, those are like <laughs> the two things that I cared, I cared about. So yeah, so you find yourself gravitating towards more like you know, like because it starts off with Metallica, but Metallica is is a very palatable band. Even I mean, at the time, at it the seemed time, crazy at the time. Yeah, yeah, at the time they weren't. It like it's like it's hard. It's hard to explain to people if you weren't if you didn't hear like from '86 or before that where Metallica wasn't didn't sound mainstream at all it was a very aggressive music it was very heavy i mean the fact just that that was on a giant label like they were on the same label as queen you know? yeah like, right right That's yeah fucking crazy at that time that was fucking crazy it was now it's probably really hard to understand that because metallica is queen yeah or whatever was, you know what i mean you know, but, most people at that time even yeah. in 86 didn't know who metallica was if you in the mainstream amongst people they were like metallica who's that but, I, but. You, look, you and i just said we discovered it among master puppets and we had we were kids that had our finger on the pulse pretty good yeah you know, musically you know, with you, music in general yeah, for sure yeah, yeah yeah so so of that heavy metal stuff and so yeah most of the world of course there was old dudes a couple years older that were more on top of shit and knew them right from day one and saw them right from yeah, right. day one i know i know that's a lot who of that's guys, who got me know? into it that's yeah, how i got yeah. into it to begin with but i was fucking 14 you know yeah. you know and then, and then, and then you're, and then you're getting into bands like uh, Destruction and Creator, and you're getting into the bands that are, are more heavy. And are, are you feeling at some point that you're drawn away from the Megadeth and the Metallicas and stuff, uh, and you're going, uh, and you're going into a more? Yeah, I mean, yes. I, I never was like, you know, fuck those guys or whatever. Right, right, you know, right. I never. But but um, but I, I, uh, the, you know, Megadeth really kind of started to. Soft and yeah, they early. Did. The they third, al- third album, they were already kind of a pop metal band almost to me, you know, compared to where they started, you know. Yeah. And uh, I never, I just lost complete interest in Megadeth right then and there. And I still only own those first two records. And no that's kidding. the only ones I listen to, yeah. Gar Samuelson and Chris Poland are the, that's, yeah, that's Megadeth to me. Those, those four guys, you know. I love those first two records, but they kind of just lost, lost me at the third one, you know. And, um, 
and Metallica. I, I Metallica is a band I just kind of I loved them so much. Maybe because I started playing guitar to that specifically, and James Hetfield kind of is my you know rhythm guitar <laughs> god or whatever you know. Uh, but so Metallica, even as they uh, they went, got they got forgiveness, even as they went really bad. You know, I still bought the records and I still tried to tried to force them down. You know, uh, you know. <laughs> and I always and I always found something to like about them, even the shittier ones. Even yeah, load, load reload, even load yeah, the, yeah, the famous load reload. Yeah, yeah. Saint Anger is the only exception. That's the one where I heard the t- the lead off track. I heard the title track, and I was just like, "Fuck that!" It sounded like like they were incorporating Lincoln Park shit in there in the vocals and stuff. Like, dude, it's just bad. It's it's <laughs> the production's terrible. That one I have still never owned to this day. But that's the only one, you know. Right, and then and then and then they after that they started they started they came went a little different direction. Yeah, they got Death Magnetic. That was a nice. Got a different producer, which which definitely yeah. changed the game. I thought Death Magnetic, you know, it's not. It ain't, you know, they're never gonna make anything that's like puppets or even Justice ever again, you know. But but that was a pretty damn good album. That was good for for where they were in their lives and in, in their age and in their, you know, they're not kids. They're fucking struggling anymore they're fucking multi 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 millionaires you know what i mean you know yeah. so so for them to do that a record like death magnetic or i like the new one too hardwired had some good moments i i like where they're at now you know for their age group and you know all right so we so most we got... people hate most people hate it i don't care you know now so so do you so you're 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 definitely like if you if you were to say like your favorite kind of music is definitely like classic thrash classic death metal like that's your is that your go-to i mean i I still, you know, there was a point then uh, in the early 90s, maybe like 93 or something, when I think um, even the death the death metal stuff that I thought just a few years before, like when the late 80s and the early 90s, I thought that death metal was the fucking most exciting thing I'd ever heard in my life. Uh, you know, when early Carcass was coming out and Entombed and, the uh, you know, of course, the first couple of death records and, oh, yeah. and uh, obituary and, and, and uh, you know, more, way more underground stuff than that. The too. Florida De- scene Devil, exploded. Devil, uh, I like to like the, the Finnish scene a lot and the Swedish scene, you know, I was big into the Scandinavian stuff, you know, you know, that was coming out at the time. We all kind of, we all were Tom Rojack, Chris Dora, Dwayne Morris, yeah, Gene Lambert, uh, the whole, our, Rob Molesley and our whole little group of guys that played in a bunch of bands together and shit, you know, were very obsessed with that sound you know and uh that was when we were doing blood of christ and then decrepit in uh from the depths a a bunch of bands i was in in the 90s you know yeah right and uh but um at by 93 or so that started to kind of just get it you know you can't really commercial the thrash bands started to incorporate a lot more ballads and a lot more you know rock they, they became more palatable. Yeah, like Testament like, yeah. got totally yeah, right. unlistenable to me, and you yeah. know and shit. But um, the death metal bands couldn't really do that because you can't make a death metal ballad, you know, <laughs> right. or, or a death metal. You know, some people tried though. Yeah, yeah, but but um, it just got kind of tired. I thought you know, like a lot of the stuff started to sound not as inspired as the stuff that came out as Alders of Madness or abominations of desolate you know all that early morbid angel and early stuff was so much better than what was coming out by 93 you know and um that's when i kind of just re just dusted off my kiss records dusted off my twisted sister records and my you know all, all and and i really really like heavy black sabbath and a, a lot i really love the 70s shit ufo and uh 
Alice Cooper and Black Sabbath and Rainbow and you know oh, yeah, and, right, right, right. all I the love, great guitar players too. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. know, like, Scorpions. I love Uli John Roth Scorpions and Michael Schenker Scorpions. You know, like anything Michael Schenker really. You know, he's he's probably my favorite. Ace is like my right. I intro. got you. I got Michael you. Michael Schenker is the greatest guitar player to me. You know, <laughs> you know like, so. But yeah, Zeppelin and all that stuff. I I like the seventies a lot and the early eighties. I listened to a lot too. Like I listened to Dawkins Tooth and Nail. Fuck ridiculous. You know, I have multiple copies, so I don't wear my vinyl out or whatever. You right, know? Like, right, right. Like you know, Michael Schenker Group, a UFO. <laughs> I know that, but these are all like the premier guitar players at that time. Also, yeah. I mean, you know, so like, so you're drawing like, so you so you took a break from the the, the heavier stuff for a minute, went back to where you were, but you every one of these guys have a great guitar player. Yeah, true. That's what I I do. I, I yeah, do. I'm right. drawn to the great guitar players. Yeah, right, right man. So. When do you, when do you, at this point now, you've already, are you aware of Ringworm? I mean, did you, have you? Yeah, like you? I said, um, you know, I think uh, when that 91 demo came out, uh, you know, no one was aware of Ringworm prior to that. Yeah, right. You know? And yeah. that, that 91 demo came out and um, Tom Rojack dubbed me a copy of that. You know, and we were talking earlier about cassette copying and stuff. Yeah, right, you know, right. you know, but Tom Rojack dubbed me a copy of that and I played it over and over and over again in my car, driving around in my Honda Civic, you know, and, and, uh, so yeah, I, and and James was drawing the artwork for we we put out a seven inch in uh, nineteen ninety two on Seraphic Decay. Do you know about Seraphic Decay Records? Are you familiar with no, that? I'm not Seraphic Decay Records is uh, a thing that was happening in Cleveland at that time uh, in the early nineties. Ed Ed's good friends with the Steve O'Bannon. You might do you know Steve O'Bannon? I don't think so. Oh, I thought maybe you would because you grew up with Ed. But Ed knew Steve O'Bannon real good. But he had this record label he started that just did seven inches primarily. They did a few 12 inches, and they put a CD out, a comp of a bunch of stuff. But mostly it was seven inches they were known for. But they were doing um, – Steve had his, Steve really had his finger on that underground pulse before anybody, you know. And he – so he was putting out bands from Finland and Sweden and all over the world in this – the craziest death metal and shit you ever heard, you know. You know, and uh, – <laughs> And it was here in Cleveland, you know, the record label was based, no right? Shit. They, their mailing address was Cam's Plaza, you know? Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> a, a post office box at Cam's Plaza. No shit. Yes, so um, we put out, a, Tom knew Steve as well, you know, just like Ed did and shit, you know. Uh, and uh, Steve was constantly dubbing, dubbing stuff for Tom and, you know, give, giving him stuff. Some some of it just didn't interest him. The uh, he liked the real raw, real raw. So once a band started to like sound good, he would just give it to Tom or whatever. You know, oh, this <laughs> yeah, band's right. good now. Fuck that. You know, but but um, we heard so much stuff that way. So much stuff. And, and uh, where, where was I going with this? Oh yeah. This, so Tom got us hooked up with Seraphic Decay, Steve's like, we'll put your 7-inch out, you know? And that was a huge... It was distributed by Nuclear Blast Records in, in Europe. Oh. He, Steve had a deal where all his 7-inches, all his records were distributed. They set it right on the back, you know? So, and we were... I was stoked about that. We all were because, you know, Nuclear Blast had Dismember and fucking... Uh, monstrosity and all these great all these bands pungent stench you know yeah, now you're like you feel like you're all right these on bands that we loved we weren't on nuclear blast of course but but nuclear blast was pushing our record across europe at the time right. you know what i mean so that was super cool and james did the artwork for that so record. you were familiar with james before james that. Did the artwork for that record and he knew yeah tom was more the guy that knew james to me it was just, we were just acquainted right right at that point real loosely acquainted you know yeah um 
but yeah, the, you know, I knew of Ringworm. I, we played with them in 92. Um, the Palm Sunday show is kind of a famous Cleveland thing at the old Peabody's where there was some gun violence and stuff oh. that happened or whatever. Because <laughs> it was Integrity, Ringworm, and Blood of Christ opened the show. Oh. And, uh, yeah, there was some kind of beef between Integrity and a Columbus crew or something. I, I don't want to get into it because yeah, I don't right. even know. I was I was a death metal kid that was just there and kind of like freaked out by all the shit, you know, you know, like. But um, I, gang stuff wasn't a part of being in a death metal band early at the time, you know. Right. But, but in the hardcore scene, it, yeah, it was, it, there was enough going in, on. You, know? you were pretty yeah. tired at the end of one of them shows. You weren't worried about. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so so. But I saw where I was going with that is that. That was my first time seeing Ringworm, 1992, at the Palm Sunday show. Right. And, and uh, you know, James used to wear, like, half white, half black face. And, uh, you know, uh, like a kind of looked psycho, you know, like yeah, right. Gacy-ish almost or something. And and uh, they were just fucking awesome. You know, I thought I already knew the demo and, and uh, the record. It wasn't even out yet at that point. It didn't come out till 93. So, but, yeah, but it was fucking... I, Liked the band a lot, you know. I already drove, drove around, listened to that demo a bunch, and then I saw them live that night, and I now you were hooked. I was really draw, and you know, Integrity was good too, but Ringworm had more of what I was listening to at the time. Like they were also listening to all those bands that were coming out on Earache Records and Nuclear Blast Records, and so they were incorporating blast beats, and they were Ringworm was doing a little more of what I liked than Integrity was, you know, at that time. They appealed to me more, you know. So you joined the band in two thousand one. The album, first album comes out in 93. That's a long gap. It's eight years before, without. There was a, there was a period. Okay. So, so what happened with Ringworm at that time? And I'm telling this as a guy that wasn't in I the I know. Band, that's you why. Know I, I mean? You I'm know just, what I mean? So yeah. don't, you know, so people can correct me if I'm wrong, but from hearing the story first, firsthand from James a hundred times, you know, <laughs> uh, um, so Frank was the original guitar player. The, him and James were the really were the start of ringworm, you know, and, uh, Frank, he plays in Haybreed now, you know, Frank Novinick and, and, um, but he at that time had joined integrity and they were real busy. Integrity was a big band already, you know, you know, and, um, they did their humanity is a devil thing. I think that was Frank's first thing with them. And, uh, or no, those, oh yeah. He, I think he might've been pictured on systems overload, but he's not on it. I don't know. I don't, I don't know that much about integrity. So I'm probably all wrong about everything, <laughs> but, uh, but um, he joined Integrity, and uh, that kind of made Ringworm defunct. You know what I mean? Ringworm just wasn't a thing anymore. And then um, it turned out Integrity wanted to bring Ringworm along for a European tour in 95, so they re reunited, from what I understand, for that. And Because uh, it was real easy for Integrity. They just had to fly James, because they already had Frank. Um, oh, there, so he Everybody had a in... Ringworm was kind of in integrity besides James so, at that point. So uh, they just had to bring one. It cost them one plane ticket to get like a double legendary Cleveland hardcore bill across Europe. You know what wow. I mean? Wow. You know? And everybody, so they just do all double bills, these other guys, where they were just yeah. playing two two shows a night. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I like That's I said, what I wasn't right, there. Right, right. I wasn't I got there. You. I don't I got know you. who was what. But, but Frank had... Yeah, Frank did double duty for sure. I think Bob Zeiger was doing both bands at the time, maybe. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's, that was that is pretty. So, cool. so basically, so, but the band didn't stay together then, though. That no. was '95. They did that tour, and it's then again, again, that was kind of done, I think. And then um, from this is all I was around for a lot of this next part, but so I, I think I might have more of a handle on some of this stuff, but. Um, they put a light up together because Kanye wanted them to. 
Kanye encouraged them to get back together because there was Tom Rojak had died, and there was going to be this um, Tom Rojak memorial show memorial show at the Fantasy upstairs, you know, and um, so Kanye, I think was the one that encouraged Ringworm to play again, you know, and they got uh, Blaze Tishko on guitar at that time, I think, and um, my band, From the Depths, played a Blood of Christ set in tribute to Tom that night, so we were all there, everybody was there, you, right. know, you know, and and uh, Decrepit played too, I played in two bands that day. Um, but yeah, Ringworm reunited for that Tom Rojak Memorial Show and stayed together at that point. I think they were having fun, you know, and they stayed together. And Blaze was in there for a while, and they did a Madness of War demo, a couple songs, and that's a really good demo, and Blaze plays on that. And I think that's the first um, that's the first time that on record that they had lead guitar. Blaze played a couple solos. Prior to that, there were no solos on Ringworm stuff. And um, then they had Matt DeVries for a minute, from Chimera, you know? Really? Yeah, he wasn't in Chimera yet. Uh, he, he was Matt from Ascension, you know? And, oh, shit. Uh, but um, they had Matt in there, and Matt was on one recording, uh, a split with a band from New York, from uh, Albany, Buffalo? Buff- uh, C- Syracuse, from Syracuse. Oh. <laughs> a band called God Below. And, uh, yeah, and that, that's and the, so they did one thing with Matt, Again, there was no solos now because they had two rhythm guitar players. Matt's not a lead guy either, you know. Frank and Matt don't do that. And uh, and that was, you know, a little bit of time. They did some shows with Matt. And then uh, that's when I that Matt was leaving to join Chimera. Chimera was taken off at this point, signed, in, you yeah, know, right. going to do their thing. And Matt was going to be way too busy to do Ringworm. He took off and did Chimera. And um, Dora was the drummer of Ringworm at the time. And I was in a band called Dead of Night with Dora. And I... Prior to that, I was in Decrepit with Dora. So we had been jamming for, you know, a long time at that point, years and years. And uh, so, and we actually shared a space with Ringworm, not here, at uh, Rock and Roll City. Oh, yeah, but, right. but we shared a space with Ringworm. And so we were doing Dead of Night practice. And then as we're finishing up, Ringworm's walking in and Dora's still sitting by the drums and doing both double duty. You know? <laughs> That's crazy. So, uh, so, yeah, just when Matt was gone, I just Filled took, in. That, took that spot, you know. Yeah, and, and I've been there ever since wow 20 some years later 22 years later and that's and that's like the that's like the not your main thing i mean like there's like that's your this is your this is your main baby right here this is when you this is your i mean right away i kind of just ringworm was unlike all my previous bands um there was nothing ringworm was ready ringworm was willing to get in the van and and load the trailer and go and try and do this thing you know what i mean and not right. just because so many cleveland bands and probably every city's the same so many people that are in a scene are satisfied just to yeah hobby it up you they're know? afraid to you take they're, they're, it's you risk know? there's risk involved and you're yeah. not you know there's i had a i had i've been doing it since i was you know 16 years old playing in bands and stuff at this point and now in 2001 when i joined the band i was 30 so it was now or it's like now or never when you're 30, you're going to get started when you're 45 years old on touring or something. You got to, you should have, we should have been doing it in our twenties all already, you know, really. Yeah, right. They did a little ringworm did that European tour and some, they went and did weekends with big, big shows and stuff, you know, prior to me joining, you know, yeah, but, yeah. but, um, none of us had gone, gone and just done a full trek across the U S and hit Canada and all that, you know, and, Really, you know, that was like the first time for all of us, pretty much. Like I said, with the exception of that Euro tour they did, you know. 
So anything crazy happened on that first one where you were just like, do you remember like, like, cause everybody remembers their first everything kind of, you know, it was so. really, it wasn't really a great tour. I mean, we went out with a band called hoods from Sacramento and, uh, they were cool dudes. We had fun with those guys. We still, you know, I just saw Mikey. We just went and saw the band. Mike, the one guy's the only guy left now, but we just went and saw him at class last week or the week before or whatever. So we're still friends. Um, but they're a real, like real super, like, tough guy hardcore band all the way there is no real metal elements going on there or anything we're, we're two different kinds of music really really you yeah. know and um and it was just a turnouts weren't great most nights and yeah it's it, hard it's hard when that happens yeah turnouts weren't great we weren't good we weren't good at managing the money yet you know we were getting way too many uh way more hotels than we could afford and stuff like that you know we were just we didn't know what we were doing. We were, we were learning as we went. And so at that tour, when it was over, we came back and split up the money that was left, and we each got 60 bucks. We were gone for a month. <laughs> <laughs> we were gone for a month. So I had to be like, well, do I do I uh, pay my credit cards, or do I just keep a roof over my head and keep my electric on? So I, I just had to get right back to work and – my credit went, my credit was stellar up to that point and my credit was just ruined and like <laughs> i never paid a credit card bill again for many many years I just had it so that that first tour just fucking wrecked me really wrecked all of us you know dora quit after that like oh really yeah so, dora yeah. we got eric matthews in at that point for he wasn't in very long let i don't even know if he made it a year but he did a tour or two so this is like a filtering process is what this really is yeah all right, so the first tour, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't. I, it was fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun, probably too much fun, but, but, um, but it ruined. It you. wasn't successful. You know, I wouldn't call it a great success. It, it, it would, it's, it, it, it served a purpose. We got, we got out there. We got seen by some people. We, um, and we learned a lot about maybe not what to do in the future, sure. you, you know, when you're out on the road. And that maybe experience. Yeah. Yeah. Sleep in a Walmart parking lot every now and then instead of, you're spending all your money on hotels the whole time. Oh yeah, so that's oh I see. You know, like stuff like you know, we learned to rough it a little more. You know, and yeah, very little glamour in, in that whole entire thing. Like it's not like every, it's like when you see or hear about it, you're hearing about the greatest bands and what they do. Yeah. But when you're talking about those mid level bands and bands that are just touring or whatever yeah. for the first few times, there's not much money no. to pay for things. So no. you're you're really scrounging and you're really like. It's hard. It's a struggle, man. Big time. And yeah. you're always somewhere where you're not familiar with. You're you don't you got to rely on people constantly. Yeah. Thankfully, I mean we don't we don't make mad money nowadays or anything, but but we make enough that we can do a hotel every night and still come home and get paid a decent amount of money. And, yeah, right. You know and shit. You know. No, it's worth it. Yeah. To do all this. Uh huh. Because we're too old to sleep in a Walmart parking lot. Now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I need a bed and a shower, all that. You know. Now now, when you guys put out. But we're saying you have this is your ninth studio full length album, and that's over like about a twenty two year period, basically, or eight eight over twenty two year eight period. Over twenty two, yeah. So you're you're averaging a little over two every two two and a half years. You guys are averaging a new album. Some gaps were longer, and some gaps were yeah. shorter. Yeah. Now, what 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 propels you to start a new album? What when is it time? It used to be a lot. Uh, it took a lot longer between records, I think, because. Um, James, you know, he's a tattoo shop owner and he's a tattoo artist and and uh, you know, we kind of had to go at his when he was a when he was available or whatever. You know, he had to put a lot of I think he was still kind of really building his business and, you know, uh, more so than he is now and the 
What's the name of his business? 252 Tattoo. Oh, he owns 252. Him and Rodney, yeah. Oh. Uh, Rodney Rose and James are the owners, yeah. And um, I think, you know, back then it was, uh, you couldn't, you know, you couldn't have a tattoo shop in the city. So a lot of people, they were really busy. Uh, everybody went out to Columbia Station to get tattooed, yeah. you know. It was Lorraine County. And it yeah, wasn't, now it was... there's so much competition. It's sp- spread it out a bit more, I think, you know. But they were so busy and so, you know, doing well. And he couldn't just leave on his out to do ringworm all, all year, every year or whatever, you know. Yeah, we, right. We did a fair amount, you know. I'm, so what would you do, like leave for a month or maybe like a couple weeks at a time? Was yeah. Is that basically how but, it was? Sometimes we went out. I mean, there was a summer, uh, 2006, the, we had put out the Justice Replaced by Revenge record, and I think in late 2005, and uh, so the summer of 2006, we we were pretty in demand. That record did some, got some attention, you know. Yeah. The, uh, they aired the video a bunch of times. Jamie from Haybreed is a, a buddy of ours, and and he was the host of Headbangers Ball at the time, so he he got us on there, or I assume it was him that got us on there, yeah. and. Uh, and those episodes, you know, you get on one. He might have played us on two episodes or something, but they kept replaying those episodes, and so we got aired quite a few times on there. And and they were victory at the time kind of pushed that record a little more than they usually than they did any of the other records probably. And uh, and they put a TV commercial on that would air like on uh, you know Jackass and stuff. It, they would put it on a certain shows yeah. where they thought maybe people would be interested in this. You know, it would air on Headbangers Ball, and it was a tv commercial that showed little clips of us playing live and promoted and the record promoted the record wow. so so that record did okay and um we did europe and we did we ended up playing for an you know we played we were out for the entire summer into the fall you know wow but most of the time we do a month and then we take some time off then do another month maybe we do three three tours a year or something on average, I would say. Pretty know? intense though. I mean, that's pretty cool. I mean, like you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're doing it right. Like you're doing yeah. that thing. Yeah. And, um, so what propels the new album to get written? I mean, all of a sudden now uh, the new album, what, 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 when did you start guys to start deciding, okay, it's time. Um, it's time. Yeah. I, I started writing this record at the end of 2019. Uh, we, we had just done a tour. Oh. We had just done a tour with goat whore. I think. I mean, I know we were out with Gohor at that time. Yeah, we we came off the Gohor tour, and um, I started coming up with this record and uh, showing it to the drummer. You know, we worked on it a little bit, and then that we were about to go out. We were still promoting "Death Because of My Voice," the previous record, right. um, and we we are. But that touring cycle got cut in half at least because COVID, you know, came in, came in in March of 2020 and shut the world down. And, uh, so I had written most of the record pre COVID 90% of that record was written pre COVID probably. And then, and, uh, the tours we were about to leave on, we were about to leave a few days. We would have left like two days after the work, after Cleveland shut all its businesses down or whatever, you know what I mean? We were scheduled to leave. So, and our manager at the time was still like, really bullying us to go out there. Don't be pussies or whatever, you know, like, cause he, cause he's trying to pay rent in LA or whatever, you know, like, so and we're like, dude, are you fucking serious? This, do you kind of see what's going on around us yeah, right, right now? I don't, I don't think there's going to be a tour, any Anywhere. touring happening, you <laughs> yeah, know, right, right now, you know, and, and, uh, we of course didn't even leave on that one. And, uh, and then we had another one booked in May and we were going to play some fests with carcass and repulsion and autopsy, I think, and shit like some good stuff. At Austin and Seattle and stuff, and uh, 
that did of course didn't happen so we had to cut we only did a very small amount of touring in support of that last record death becomes my voice and um so i kind of it was just so discouraging that the the whole covid thing oh yeah because you, know I mean? you, you guys know? are really at this point you guys are really doing well i and... work at house of blues so yeah. you know not only not only are my all my touring options gone but i can't even go to work you know what I, mean? like, yeah, what right. am I, can't, I can't do anything so um i i just started writing other stuff i already had that ring record written and you know you couldn't even really go and do anything really you know you know at that point to go and record it or whatever you know so just kind of backburnered it for a while and I started working on the next Shed the Skin record, which is out now. Uh, last year, it came out, Download Genesis. And, that's uh, also Ed, also. Steve yeah, me and Ed that. do that. Yeah, yeah, right. That's our death metal band with Kyle from Incantation yeah. on drums, Kyle that, Severn. That's like an all-star band. And metal. Ash, Ash Thomas is a Cincinnati friend of ours that has a band called Faith Extractor, and he's he's really talented, plays guitar and sings at the same time. And, yeah. Which is, uh, you know, and I'm throwing him some pretty difficult stuff to play and sing over. You know, just to play it, some of it's difficult. And then he's got to, he manages to play the guitar and sing at the same time. Yeah, you know? pretty cool. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so I got, I wrote that record. I already had that Ringworm record written. Wrote that Shed the Skin record. Kind of ran out of shit to do. I had nothing to do but, but write, really. So I was just getting high as fuck all the time. <laughs> and, you know. <laughs> Drinking giant Baja Blast for energy, and then like like and just riffing out in my room in my spare room, and and um, I, so I, I that's when I that Rip Ride band that's where that came to be. I started writing some like rock and like you know riffs that I would have written if I was talented prior to Master of Puppets. You know? Oh yeah, <laughs> you right, know, back right, in, right. Riffs that sound like Def Leppard and Dockin and shit like yeah, that. Right. You know, Kiss. And, you know, and uh, and I and I got Wayne from Solus. I'd been in soulless with wayne before and he was in from the depths with me before and we started up this band rip ride and again that's ed also but uh oh and perdition sect is another band we started up during the pandemic pandemic was very productive, productive for you it was. <laughs> I, I first thing was me and aaron dallison started up uh perdition sect and we got kyle severn and mike lair we'll talk about mike lair a little bit too here in this thing but um yeah, and uh, that that's our like discharge kind of D beat hardcore band that we put together. It's metallic. It's very metal. You're not gonna get any of those four guys together and not have it be kind of metal, yeah, you know. Right, 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 but it's right. still it's our D beat hardcore with a real heavy metal slant to it, you know. We did that record. That record came out in 2020. We started a band in March of 2020, and the record was released in December. That's how quick we threw that shit. Wow. Because that shit, um, you know, playing like discharge is. You don't want it to be complicated. You want it to be really yeah. basic, and you kind of want the first thing that comes out of your head. So we were able to throw that record together in a couple of months, and yeah. I think it turned out pretty fucking good. But um, so that was done. The Shed the Skin record I wrote, and then the Rip Ride record I wrote, and we got all that shit recorded in 2020, or so, the Shed might have been a little bit into 2021. Those records are all out now, and then that's when I got back to work on the Ringworm stuff, you know? Um and we, me and Ryan Steigerwald started really sweating it out in the room, getting those songs together, and we booked time with Noah. And uh, Buchanan. Yeah. Mercenary Studios. Yeah, we started working with Noah on the Death Becomes My Voice record. That He tracked us on that one, and this time he did it all. He tracked us, mixed it, mastered it, everything, you know. I had been working. I had done already. By that time, I had, he mixed the Perdition Sect record. We recorded it in Kyle's basement. Sounded like total shit, and then Noah takes it and makes it sound awesome. You know? <laughs> but but uh, 
because we don't know what we're doing. We we didn't even know what kind of microphones to use or anything. We, we, we gave him garbage, and he was able to. Ed called him a magician. He's yeah, like, he's he a, did. He's he really, the magician. He really took that record and made it sound way different than what we gave him. And then, um, and he, I had done a couple Shed the Skin records with Noah by that point, and uh, he mixed and mastered Thalmo Genesis, the most recent one, and um, and the Rip Ride record we did with Noah. So I've just, since 2019, do a death because of my voice, I've only recorded at Mercenary with Noah, you know? And um, Is that it? Is that it? You think the rest, the rest of your I music career? I, I, can I, I, I don't see any reason to go anywhere else. Why, why do you think he's that guy? Why, like so many. You're just every single person says the exact I, same thing. I mean, it's, I didn't really know. I didn't know him prior to recording with him. I mean, I knew uh, acquainted, but we, I don't even th- know if we'd ever spoken one word to each other prior to that, really. You know what I mean? Yeah. But um, we did the record, and, and it was I had a lot of fun with them, and and, and and I mean, and the pro, and the results don't they speak for themselves? You right. know what I mean? The shit sounds better than anything we ever did. You know, especially the new one that he had that was all him. You yeah, know? right. We sent Death because of my voice off to be mixed elsewhere, but we shouldn't have because this new one, amazing, and, and he just keeps getting better too. Yeah. You know, so it's I mean, I we become good friends, you know, and I, I like spending the time in there in the control room with them, you know, and doing this. I, I, I don't see just bouncing those shit off anybody else. I don't see any reason. You're done. Yeah. I mean, like yeah, they, yeah. Not, you found that it's yeah. like, he's like another man, band member yeah, almost. And, yeah. And it right. sounds fucking incredible. Yeah. Every one of those records sounds great. One's better than the next. As he, as we go, he comes up with new tricks yeah. and, we keep, up, we keep saying know? he's, uh, you know, like, you know, like uh, the old producers, like the Mutt Langs and all these guys that used to be the popular guys back, uh, Bob Rocks and all them guys. Yeah. They create a sound, you know, like, like even Shania Twain sounds a little bit like ACDC if you yeah. really listen Definitely to it a certain way because it's yeah. all Mutt Lang. Mutt Lang. So, so we were saying, we were like, you know, he's kind of creating his own, there's like a Buchanan thing that's like happening now. He's recording. Yeah, you know what? I think that, you know. He's the shit, man. I think, right? I think as a scene here in this, in Cleveland, we're really lucky to have that resource. Yeah, you know what man, I mean? You seriously. Know, where, you know, just to, like, have some place you can go and he gets what you're doing because that's what he does. Yeah. He plays guitar in Nunslaughter. Yeah. He's a, he, you know, solipsist. His bands are heavy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so he, who better to understand what you're doing? And, and then he's so masterful at the fucking process controls you know and I mean? everything and, yeah. the, and him and vanek they they just built such a great place with all this gear and shit you know what i mean you yeah. know and well, i go anywhere else at this point yeah, yeah. once yeah. you find it it's like it's that, like to oh. have that here and not use it would be so stupid i think it, you know like why would you do that you know but yeah it's it, it's something special that that is making all of our pants sound Way better, yeah. Better and, than and, they if, did before, and, I, and I'm, yeah, you're right. We're so lucky to have a resource like that because it's kind of like making the scene. This is like, wow, this. I, I think you know, you know, we didn't make that record for Nuclear Blast, Seeing Through Fire. We did not make that record for Nuclear Blast Records. We relapse. We approached relapse in 2020 when we had this record ready to go. You know, originally, and um, they turned us down. They didn't want. They declined because the the pandemic had hit by then. And every band in the world was hitting the studio because they couldn't do anything else. So they already had two years of album releases booked and they were kind of like, yeah, you know, we don't, I don't think we're going to do that. The yeah. next ringworm, you know? And so we were labelless, and, um, 
we went we went in the our manager dropped us all kinds of stuff because we kept turning when the when it finally re- did reopen and you could go out on the road immediately he was throwing us tours that we just didn't think were ideal especially not even sure what you're going out there to face at yeah that right point, you know yeah, what i mean right. you know a lot, of, a lot of questions some still. states had different weren't even open and stuff you know it was kind of early to be if he would have thrown us, you know, violence or some band I love, and I'd been like, well, let's go fucking test these waters, you know. Right. But that's not what he was throwing us. He was throwing us shit we didn't want to go out on. And so he threw us, like, three of those, and we turned down three of those, and he dropped us. And so we kind of been dropped by our label, dropped by our management, then kind of dead in the water. And we're like, well, fuck it. Let's just record this record out of band fund. We have enough, you know. Yeah. Noah's not you know, crazy expensive, you know, you know, he undercharges some stuff as far as what you're getting, I think, you know, but, um, so we paid, we paid for it, you know, paid for it out of pocket, out of, I mean, out of the band, fund, yeah, right. you know, and, uh, we did the record with no label. And I really think a the best bit, one, this I, is the best one. I really think a big part of, so James got this, he knew of this publicist guy or whatever, you know, that would, we paid him, little bit of money and he he um shopped the record for us so when it was all finished artwork was finished this record is ready to be sent to the plant you know and uh he shopped the record for us for you know a few hundred dollars or whatever and and um well spent you know because i think he sent it out on like a thursday if i remember correctly this was a little while ago now and um after the weekend we had we had been made an offer by nuclear blast records and i really think the production played a the the music down from like I said Brian's drum performance up you know it was it was a good it was already good but Noah just made it sound so good you know like you yeah, totally right. listen to it and it's like that could be on Nuclear Blast there's no reason why it can't right. be you know and it and it is you know so. So it, I, it turned I, out I, it didn't even cost you that much to do all this stuff it was it was you, you were able to do it it didn't break the bank and it, and. Here you are, and it's all yeah. you. It's all you guys. Yeah. You did it. Yeah, and uh, so yeah. I mean, I really think uh, I heard it. It's you know the thing. The thing that's cool about Ringworm is that when the new Ringworm album comes out, it's not like loads coming out ever. Yeah. All right, that album's no. never going to be. There's never <laughs> no. going to be Ringworm's version of Load. It's no. always consistent. Yeah, it's consistent, consistent, consistent. You know what it is. It's yeah. going. It's going to be that. Are you we, don't. I do think any- Scar, Scars is like maybe our weirdest record where we exper- where we did step a little outside of the box and experiment a little bit. Uh, yeah, with some things. And, and it's my least favorite one. And yeah, it's, figures and, right. And, you know, and, and, and I think it's. I think the whole band feels that's our least favorite one. Was it probably. like the most? And, the one that you don't feel was the most honest. Is that why? I, you, no, you, you, I, I think you know. I don't know. I, I I don't know what it is exactly. I I know for one thing, James wanted to make the title track. He had it in his head that that would be like a eight minute song or something, which is really like out epic. of character for Ringworm. You know, how do you? I didn't even know. I'm like, how the fuck do I make an eight minute Ringworm song? You know, <laughs> what the fuck do I do that? So I, so I, you can't really just play fast. You could, but I mean, it, it, it would get tedious to, Monotonous, the, listen, to yeah. the listener to just play an eight minute song that's fast. So I kind of did a bunch of shit. We had John Capri on guitar at the time, and he. I had him do the opening solo, and it's very like sounds like Andy LaRock went in there. Did oh, solo, really? Which is very so. It, it's I Team think like, I remember when Frank first heard that record. He said uh, he sent me a message or something. He said uh, he's like when I heard the title track of Scars because he, he I know what he's referring to. He's referring to that John John solo there. But he's like 
Because that happens right before James comes in and screams. And he's like, I wasn't expecting James to come in. I was expecting King Diamond. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he's right. Anyway, so I think it was a little bit. Overdone yeah, as far I, as I like. I think we went too far. A little theatrical yeah. kind I, of thing. I, maybe. I think uh, yeah. at, from that point on, I, I thought, you know, we don't need to experiment. Well, yeah, just, but they, just do what we fucking do. Yeah, know? right. And that's one of them times where you, you try something. It doesn't work exactly the way you wanted it to. So now you know exactly who you are, right? Yeah. Excellent album. Um, and, uh, how's it doing so far? It's only been out. It's only been out for a month now or something. Is, know, it, the, is, it, is it been even a, uh, it came out in August 18th, I think. Yeah. About I a think, month. I think Little, al- almost a month. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's pretty fresh. Um, you know, I don't, I couldn't tell you numbers and shit like that, but, but well, I, yeah, but I mean, like I, I do know the pre-sales pretty flew out the door pretty good. Oh, I, did it. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, I think maybe there were 1800 and, and, um, when you go on when you went on this website the first day it was like 64 available or something like that you know so the initial rush was good it seemed you know now you said now you were saying that the manager asked you to go on with you know three different tours you guys are like nah 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 you you, you kind of got dropped by the label so you say fuck it i'm gonna go do get get our do it ourselves now what are you gonna do about the touring part of it uh, we- I, I, we we've been working with uh we, we've been working with a guy and i and i can't really that's that's about that's about it. We we got a, uh, this guy. Our buddy Zach is uh, he threw us out on a uh, he he's helped us out because he knew we were with no representation or whatever. Pretty yeah. much, you know, and and he does I hate God and he does uh, some other stuff. And we we've been working with him. He's got us on some cool tours. We did, right. we toured with the Cro-Mags and oh cool. did some cool shit. You so know? yeah, so that's so, so look out for that. You guys will be touring. You guys will be touring the record. The record's out. Yeah, definitely go check that out. And we're out of time. Okay. Uh, real quick. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. We do go out on tour with Venom Inc. and uh, Satan. Really? And, yeah. At the end of the month, we we leave for a couple, two and a half, three weeks or something like that. Uh, that's just America. It's East Coast. Yeah. Oh, okay. Venom already Venom Inc. already did their um their West Coast tour with Exhumed and a couple other bands, and now they're this. That's is the pretty East good. Coast that's run. a pretty good bill, man. Yeah, that's Venom pretty Inc. cool. Old school, yeah. big time, man. Satan, big yeah. great band too. No big shit. fan of both those bands. Yeah. Thanks again for coming down, man. I really appreciate it. Hell yeah. This has been Thanks a good one. Me. Real good interview with man. Appreciate it. Check him out, man. Ringworm. Matt Sorg. The guitar player, man. He's the shit. It's a great band, dude. Ringworm is a great band. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. This has been Level Up Cleveland. There's a new episode every week. Available now on all streaming services. You can catch every episode of Level Up Cleveland on YouTube. Till next week, rock on. That'll be fine.